everybody and welcome to the Movie Scramble podcast. On today's show, we will be talking about the 93rd Academy Awards, which were held recently. Joining me are the full squad of Movie Scramblers. So, Thomas, how are you today? I'm very good, John. Thank you. We were a sunburn as the weather was quite nice at the weekend, but I'm not going to let that stop me from talking about films. I'm dedicated. Uh, oh, I think it's quite funny the fact that the weather's been absolutely fantastic all last week, all weekend, and the minute the pubs open back up and beer gardens rain. Mm, I did notice that, yeah, that was fairly typical. And also joining us is the ever delightful Mary. How are you? I am also sunburned. Like you can see the exact outline of what I was wearing in the garden on Saturday and Sunday. And for some bizarre reason, one big streak of it on my left foot as well. And I'm not even sure how that came about. But no, excited to chat Oscars and obviously catch up with you guys as well. Nice one. I am not sunburned, which is quite nice, actually, because I don't tan. I just go sort of lobster pink and then peel and then pink again. So it's it's not a good look in a West of Scotland man. It's a normal look, but it's not a good look, let's face it. So on with the chat. As I said, we are here to have a chat about the Oscar ceremony, which was happening just over the last weekend. It was held in two locations this year, Union Station and the Dolby Theatre in Los Angeles, with various international satellite sites as well. Due to coronavirus restrictions, there was limited numbers of people actually in attendance. But the producers decided that instead of doing what other ceremonies have done over the last couple of months, they wanted actually people in a room rather than on Zoom calls and people sitting in their jammies and all this sort of stuff. So they had the main presenters of the awards and most of the recipients turning up in various locations, which we will talk about that uh, a little bit later as well. The ceremony was opened by Regina King. She's an actress and also the director of one of the nominated films, One Night in Miami. Quite a powerful opening to the ceremony. It was made to look as if it was a Hollywood film. The opening was all done in one shot, following her walking into Union Station and up on stage. And uh, she nearly fell over at one point as well, just before she started talking. But she made a bit of a joke about about, about it being live TV and then sort of rolled into the ceremony proper. In contrast to previous years, the ceremony started with a political message rather than a comic message, which was probably right, given the the kind of times we're living in and the, the events over the last couple of weeks. And then we went into the awards. Now, as with the last two years, there were no hosts. It was all just presenters. And it seemed from my perspective, that it was a much more organised situation, same way as they they did with the BAFTAs, in that it was more regimented, there wasn't as flabby TV, if you like. What did you think, Mary, about the the whole kind of setup and everything to do with it? What did you think about how they put it together? Do you know, I was a bit dubious about the dual locations, because I didn't really feel that had worked for the Golden Globes, because there was that slight delay between the two presenters. But actually, I thought it 
worked really well. There was obviously kind of this insistence that people be there in person. I guess it was kind of nice to see the a bit of glitz and glam and, and proper red carpet and people actually sit, sitting together and getting up to receive awards because we haven't really seen too much of that during, during awards season. But I thought that it flowed really well. As you say, there was less of the kind of flimsy chit chat. It was kind of to the point and it was like, you know, one award after the other. People got to express a little bit more in their speeches. And I just felt it it kind of trimmed out all the rubbish that you usually fast forward. If, if like us, obviously as UK viewers, you're probably not watching it too in the morning. So I, I thought it flowed really well. I thought it I thought it worked. Cool. Thomas, what did you think? I liked the setting of it as well. It looked a lot more kind of intimate and exclusive, which yeah. the Oscars is an exclusive for the elite closed off shop. I don't think you see the kind of bigger walls and the big audience and stuff and you're watching it. It kind of gives you that, oh, you feel part of it. For what I've seen of this, I didn't feel part of it. I felt like a viewer and it, it, it's it's intimate, closed down kind of exclusive, exclusivity of like a, this is a small wee elite club that you can't come into. To me, although I may be saying I'm being negative, I actually represented the actual feel and tone of the Oscars a lot more. I think it worked better for that. Yeah, I definitely agree. It seemed a lot more intimate than previous years when it's um, a massive big audience and mm-hmm. you, you it seems a bit more unwieldy in these sort of situations. So yeah, it was, it was definitely a lot better. Now, for me, the occasions didn't really matter because they kind of set the rest of them in reasonably similar ways. So there was reasonable transitions between them but looking at the ceremony itself obviously this year being somewhat different due to the ongoing coronavirus there were a greater number of films actually up for oscar nominations than previously which had some to do with the fact that for the first time since 1934 films were being considered for more than one year because they extended the period up until then. I think it was the end of February, I think they, they extended it to. For all the variety, we got we got the same list of films that we, we seem to get at every other film festival. Leading the pack was Mank, with 10 nominations, which didn't really surprise because it's a film about making films and Hollywood and everything, and the Academy loves that sort of stuff which is no real surprise. So let's get into the awards themselves. Now, the big winner on the night, to no one's great surprise, was Nomadland, which won Best Film, Best Director and Actress, pretty much mirroring the BAFTAs. There's not very much you can say about these because it wasn't contentious in any way. They were the front runner for such a long time that it seemed that they were pretty unstoppable. Usually with these things, you find that there's some sort of scandal erupts, and usually done by another Oscar-nominated film in order to try and derail the film from actually getting voters on their side. Now, this time it was, it was a wee bit about Amazon working conditions not being portrayed as being particularly bad. But apart from that... There was nothing really stopping this film at all. There just didn't seem to be the contenders about it. I take it neither of you were surprised at all? No. No, not really. I thought Frances McDormand looked bored <laughs> the whole time. Like, <laughs> I just thought she looked like she'd rather be anywhere else. And who knows, maybe maybe, maybe she did want to be someone else. I'm not surprised. I, just, I do feel like we got a carbon copy of the BAFTAs. And don't get me wrong, that does happen quite a lot. Part of me was hoping for a wee upset a wee just a wee something to kind of make to give it a 
give it an edge, I suppose. But obviously I haven't seen the film, so I can't I can't comment on it. But by all accounts, it seems like there was nothing from from stopping it. It seems to have built up a lot of momentum, as we had said earlier. Minari kind of peaked too soon with the kind of buzz around it, I feel, and that's maybe why why it's lost out at this particular stage. But yeah, it doesn't feel like there was any stopping it. And I think I believe now, does this mean that Frances McDormand is either already has the same Oscars track record as Catherine Hepburn or is, or is on her way? I'm uh, not sure. Is that correct? I know she's, she's won it three times. I don't know if she has. If she's on the same level, that's something I'll, I'll look up. Yeah. Just read yeah. here, she's the seventh person to win a third acting Oscar for Best Actress. I think I think it was in terms of the amount of nominations that she's had because I think Catherine Hepburn ah. is, is the most nominated female in the history of the Oscars. So I think that this puts her on par with that record, but I, I could be wrong. So it actually did put money on Frances McDormand to win because she wasn't the bookie's favourite. No, for that no, she was a three to one. So who was the favourite? Katie Mulligan. I can't remember. Now to be honest with you, I, I, I can't even remember. But. Yeah, she was like three to one. Something I posted it on Twitter, and I thought that'd be worth a few quid, and it was. And as far as Oscar awards go, that was it for Nomadland. This is the first year for such a long time that the leading film has only won three awards. Usually, it runs away with maybe five, six awards, a couple of craft awards, that kind of thing. But it didn't really happen this time for some particular reason. Now let's get on to the Supporting Actor Award, which is quite a, an interesting one. It was won by Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah. And according to the Academy, Judas and the Black Messiah didn't have a leading actor. It had two supporting actors. Now this is something that the Academy pretty much need to address because they don't have a way of recognising group performances or ensemble mm-hmm. casts. It's all about the the four main acting categories. And the, the problem that they had here was Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya were both up for supporting category rather than the lead category. You could, you could make a, an argument that they were both leads. And I believe that Stanfield was up for the best actor category but didn't get enough votes to be shortlisted but he did get enough votes in the supporting actor category to be put forward for that so it's a, it's a, a real strange one i know these things pop up every now and again it's more really the golden globes and the oscars but the oscars have got a bit of a track record as well of having supporting performances because they've got more chance of actually winning rather than the lead and it kind of devalues it a wee bit as far as i'm concerned do you not think so yeah. I do. I don't understand that. I don't. I don't understand how you can. You can't have. You can have. I know you get an ensemble piece, but even in ensemble films, there's still somebody you can pick as the lead. I would say. I know. Yeah. I've not seen Judas and the Black Messiah yet, but both of them, they're supporting actor. Then they say this film has no lead actor. I don't know. There's something weird about that. Yeah, it doesn't it, sit right. It feels like very much you know trying to get the best possible outcome and that's not denying that Daniel Kaluuya is incredibly talented and his speech was absolutely hysterical so I'm like you know fill your boots mate (laughs) but I'm pretty sure the BAFTAs have an ensemble award and I think the Golden Globes do as well and it might be a category that the Oscars need to look at in future to avoid any issues like this because 
to me, that's two guys who, you know, they were two, you know, kind of, I'm not saying the roles were split sort of 50-50, but they were the two protagonists or protagonists and antagonists of that story. And to me, how do you decide who's supporting and who's not? And for them both to end up in supporting seems bizarre. Yeah. I mean, like, I was I was surprised to see him, uh, his best supporting actor for the Baptist as well, but I hadn't seen the film. So I thought, oh, maybe he's not the lead part. Maybe the, the mm-hmm. film's about this uh, other character, Bill O'Neill, who's the informant and stuff, and it's based around him more. I was thinking of Trial of Chicago 7, yes, an ensemble film, but you could argue Eddie Redmayne's the lead right? actor in yeah. that. You, you could easily make that argument, and no doubt it would be an eyelid. Uh, yeah, I've not seen the film before. Maybe they share equal screen time, and I, I don't know. It's, I, I don't know. I don't like it either. I don't like it. I think they pretty much share screen time, if anything. Like, if Stanfield's got more screen time than Daniel Kaluuya, but... Who's the lead actor? Yeah. Who's the lead character? Who's the main character in the film? There's always, there's always that. I don't know. I, I just, I'm sh- uh, nah, I don't like it. Well, the, the main character is the Judas character, which is the mm-hmm. Keith Stanfield mm-hmm. role. So that's why he was up for lead actor, but didn't get the votes in order to be. Yeah, I think with. that makes it worse. I think that makes it worse because you could have the argument of well, it's an ensemble piece, so there's two supporting actors, the sheriff was screen time. Who do you really give a lead to? It's for another person. Nominate both for lead then, or do you mm-hmm. say you can only have one lead? But the fact that he was considered for the lead mm-hmm. makes it even more of a mockery in my opinion because whatever you're looking at supporting actor is below lead actor in the awards yep. yeah okay moving on to supporting actress which was yun yu jung for minari which wasn't really a surprise at all she was very very good in that film and it's kind of difficult to fault yeah anything obviously it was a reasonably tight category it had amanda seafried olivia coleman glenn close which oh man i mean there was obviously a big campaign for glenn close to get someone from i think she's been nominated eight times now i think yeah. it is but she yeah. was that uh, it would have been a bit of a travesty if she got it for this role she should have got it for her previous role which was the wife i think it was that was a uh, yeah, film from a couple a, of years ago. Jonathan Price, that was a good yes. movie, and she was mm. excellent in it. And actually, yeah. so she never won an Oscar. No, she's been oh. nominated a number of times. So the, it's one of these ones that give it to Do her before know, she stops doing stuff. I'm pretty sure they're making a film version of Sunset Boulevard, and she's obviously reprising her role that she played on stage with the Angela Weber musical. So that might be the Oscar win for her. She was excellent in the the stage play. No complaints there. So yep. Um, yep. That might be her, her crowning glory, but... Yeah, Hillbilly Elegy doesn't look particularly good. When I saw images of her from that, I immediately thought of the Mel B character from Bo Selector. It was oh just... <laughs> it wasn't flattering in any way. No, you're so right. It's those glasses, isn't it? Yeah, it's those uh-huh. exact glasses. That's so funny. Do you know what I'll say, though? As much as I'm very happy with the deserved winner in this category. I do a part of me would have liked Maria Bakalova to have won just mm. for the acceptance speech alone. <laughs> I mean she was great in the film. She she was I was surprised she got nominated only because of the sort of role it was. It's the kind of mm-hmm. thing I could see the Oscars turning a, a nose up at. Mm-hmm. I totally thought I'm surprised that that, that she was acknowledged at all because the Oscars are famously quite snobby about you know that type of movie. But yeah, I would have loved her to get up and have thanked Rudy Giuliani's zipper or something like that. Like, that would have been amazing. Okay, and the last of the acting categories was obviously Best Actor. 
Now, in a change to the normal schedule, the last category is usually best film. But mm -hmm. this year, what they did was they had the main acting categories as the last two. And obviously it was best actor at the end because men are more important than women, apparently. And <laughs> it all led up to this moment that they'd obviously held off from, from. And a lot of people thought, well, they're doing it that way because they're going to give out the award to Chaz Chadwick Boseman and then there'll be some sort of tribute to him right after it. And then it was announced that obviously Anthony Hopkins won the award, which surprised everybody, including himself, apparently. Now, there was a lot of backlash about that. We've talked about it in terms of the, the BAFTAs as well. And then, obviously, it was a real sort of downer of an ending because it was Anthony Hopkins wins. He's not here. The Academy accepts the award, right? Cheerio, everybody. Right, good night. Thanks very much for coming. And it was just kind of, whoa, whoa, what? what? Sorry. You know, it just it was very, so very weird. abrupt. Yeah. yeah. I think Is Olivia Coleman said she wanted to accept the award on his behalf, but was told she couldn't. I don't understand that at all. I really don't. <laughs> what is that right? <laughs> And do you know what I find bizarre though? But do you know what I find bizarre though? I mean, like, don't get me wrong, we maybe were a bit kind of. We did discuss after Hopkins and the father, not him personally, to be fair, but the, mm -hmm. the politics surrounding it and stuff, and the nomination and the win of the BAFTAs episode. I find the backlash against after Hopkins for this a bit harsh. It's not his fault. He didn't pick himself. And yeah. I've seen a lot of kind of people that really kind of against him, not his performance in the film, but him personally. For accepting this, and it's what she's supposed to do, like give it back, say this is for Chadwick instead. You know, I mean, like I don't know. I mean, it's a very strange. It was a very strange backlash to. I find they've had the backlash has been against the wrong thing. Yeah, and to dig him up for not appearing, one nominees and winners were not allowed to appear via Zoom. That appeared to be the rule, and two. Even if he was allowed to appear via Zoom, he is 83 and it was five o'clock in the fucking morning UK time. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to shit on him for not wanting to fly to New York or LA in the middle of a pandemic. But as I say, I'm not an Anthony Hopkins fan. I, I do feel like he is kind of one of these actors who I do feel sort of choose the scenery. But it the anger or hurt or disgust or whatever should be directed at whoever at the Academy or the television station decided to do this big build up, which made it feel like a trip, a big tributes to Chadwick Boseman only to rip it away and then that was it credits roll really quickly like their anger so misdirected oh definitely yeah. and like um we, we spoke about this in the BAFTA episode as well available in the movie scramble archives but I thought I mean, the whole thing was set up for a Chadwick Boseman one whether you felt for all, I don't see an film for all I, I know I could watch both of them and say see if felt Anthony Hopkins definitely deserved that People don't always get what they deserve, especially when it comes to the Oscars. And this looks like the prime thing for the Oscars to build this up and give ourselves a pat on the back, which we love doing. Mm -hmm. They did it last year with Parasite. They didn't just say Parasite's got best film because it's deserved. It was like, look, we're giving Parasite best film because we're so good. I feel like every time the Oscars does something right, they congratulate look themselves for we're it. Diverse. Yeah. Okay. It's like Catherine Bigelow, which she's just one best director, the first female to do so. How good are we? What? <laughs> you know, it's like, and then Chloe Zhao is the, only the second ever woman to win a best director. And again, they'll pat themselves in the back for that. Look, Absolutely. we've nominated the Muslim for best actor. What else you want from us? Yeah, I know, actually, that's good. what I meant to, to ask. You guys have both seen Side of Metal. Did Riz Ahmed yeah. deserve a shot? Yeah. Oh, definitely. He's excellent. That. 
Yeah. Okay, I was saying that he, yeah. apparently this is the first uh, time a Muslim's been nominated for Best Actor. Oh no, Mahershala Ali won Supporting Actor, didn't he? Because he's a Muslim as well. Yeah. For supporting Actor, yeah, okay. So. Because it was... Well, it was that, in two was, categories now. They're <laughs> so diverse. Yeah. It was on his trailer. It was on his trailer. It mentioned it and it was saying, uh, really, Oscars 2021, we're still celebrating firsts. No, I know that's what's embarrassing, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. But no, I thought... Um, I actually thought it was quite a strong category in terms of uh, who was nominated. I didn't see Gary Oban winning it for Mank. Um, I would be surprised if Stephen Yeun did. I thought Chadwick Boseman was going to run away with it, let's be honest. Uh, but Riz, I, I didn't think Riz Ahmed was going to win it, but that would have been brilliant because he is excellent in that film. He is absolutely mm-hmm. outstanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it would have been a yeah. nice wee Dark Horse. I like Dark Horse victories as well. Mm-hmm. Are you allowed to say Dark Horse? Probably not. The Oscars would come on and say, that's really well done there, Thomas, by highlighting <laughs> dark horses, not just white horses. <laughs> uh, they probably pat himself in the back. Again. Yeah, give it a wee sugar cube. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. What they, I don't know what they wanted for Anthony Hopkins. Though. Did they want him to? Dedic- I mean, they dedicated the award to Fetty Chadwick Boseman. Did they oh, want yes. him to relinquish it, go Wakanda forever, and then fucking blow his brains or something and repent? I just think the whole narrative around, you know, he robbed someone who'll never be able to win an Oscar again. He still has a chance. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? He didn't, he didn't like, I don't know, he didn't encourage this win or he didn't vote for himself or whatever. Like, I just feel like the whole narrative around it was just so fucking ludicrous. And even Chadwick Boseman's widow came out and said, like, he would have been happy for Anthony Hopkins. He wouldn't have wanted it. He's not someone who liked a fuss. Like, that's the irony of all of this. I, I, choose, I hope they'll actually find some kind of like lost diary of Chadwick Boseman in terms of he hates Anthony Hopkins with a passion because <laughs> they worked together years ago and he was rude to him or something and he was just starting up. <laughs> but no, you're right. I mean, it's like yeah. the backlash is ridiculous. But I'm surprised the Oscars went the way they went. I really are because Me this was too. a prime example for them. To, I, mean, I said this last year actually when Parasite won and people were celebrating it and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. But I was, the cynic in me was like, don't celebrate the Oscars here for the diversity because they'll fuck it up next year. Yeah, yeah. and also as you be... say, it's twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. We should not be praising people for firsts at all. Yeah, and if you look back, I remember us talking about it last year, and we're saying, well, it won Best Film, Parasite, but you know, it didn't get anything in the acting categories. You know, oh, so how can it be Best Film without having actually good performances or award performances? So it's that kind of thing. Personally, I'd have liked to see it going to Chadwick Boseman because the performance that he put in in Marini's Black Bottom was absolutely sublime. He he ranged from being this sort of Joker character to there was a maybe a ten minute speech about halfway through it, and it was brutal, absolutely brutal. And the way that he pulled that off, just amazing. It was really. I mean, he's, he's a very good actor anyway. So yeah, but that's the kind of the the sort of Oscar baity moment there. But obviously. It wasn't enough, and mm-hmm. that's down to the academy. It's not down to, like, say, Anthony Hopkins. He did his performance in the way he did his performance. It was quite a showy one, obviously, because it attracted the attention of the academy in the first place. So, yeah, but by no means, it's he's got nothing to feel sorry about at all. Yeah, I find it quite quite strange that there's a, a lot of vitriol out there for him. It's not not very nice at all. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. So then it was a nice one with the original screenplay where Emerald Fe- Fennel, is it? 
Well, I still thought it was fennel, but they all kept saying fennel at the awards, and I was like, I'm yeah. fennel like the onion. <laughs> Maybe I'm not Well, funny you kind of mentioned about pronouncing names there, because um, I was watching a clip on YouTube, it was uh, Stephen Yun on like, Conan O'Brien or something, like that. I was on some talk show, and it was talking about how he's Conan, who his friend, I think it was Conan O'Brien, had been mispronouncing his name for years, and he just it was too polite to, to correct him. Oh. <laughs> Oh, He's like, but I, I thought I was saying it right. I thought it was Stephen Yoon. I thought it was, I thought I was really trying to put that. Yeah, I know, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's usually sweet. He's a really nice guy. Okay, so that was quite a good one for promising young women. I thought that was yeah, pretty well deserved. It was good to see that film actually getting a, a bit of recognition, even though it missed out in some of the other categories, especially Carrie Mulligan, but. Again, that's quite a strong. That's a strong. That's some strong nominations there. That's a tough category. Uh, Minari was great. Sound of Metal was great. I've not seen Judas in Black Messiah, but by all, it, it looks great. I mean, it looks like something I'm really going to enjoy. Charles Chicago Seven, Alan Sorkin. Yeah, I don't like Love and World don't, but it was a great script in my opinion. But I just watched Promising Young Woman recently. Uh, yeah, I'm quite happy. Loved it. I thought it was an excellent film. Uh, mm-hmm. Really took me by surprise. How good it was! I was expecting to enjoy it. I knew people would like it, and I know you're a big fan, Mary. Says so in your review, but I was, I was really surprised with how much it impacted me. Adapted screenplay went to the father, which was adapted by Florian Zeller from his play, and that beat off. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was the victor over the Borat movie, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger. So again, a, a reasonably <laughs> strong, a reasonably strong cast. The father beat off the White Tiger in One Night in Miami. <laughs> oh dear! I thought One Night in Miami would have got that, or at least a couple of awards. I was, I enjoyed that. Don't get me wrong; I didn't think it was the best movie I had seen all year, but I thought there was certainly Aldous Hodge and oh, I forgot his name, the guy from Hamilton. Sammy, help me out here. Leslie Odom Jr. Yeah, so I thought they were excellent and I actually thought that the, the script itself was really interesting so I'm kind of surprised that it didn't win the screenplay category or just anything really in general. Mm. I'm the only person that thinks like Borat being best adapted screenplay is a... Uh, I know it's based on a character That's a and he's really big just, fucking stretch. <laughs> I think so, yeah, I'm glad, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's not adapted from that, you know, award-winning novel, Borat. <laughs> you know, like, to me, adapted screenplay's got to be something that's either come from, like, a play, a radio play, or a book. Or am I being unfair? Yeah. No, I, I, I think yeah, it's based on a character. Yeah. That's what it actually says in the, the notes. It says, based on the character by Baron Cohen. So it's, it's based on an existing character rather than based on... But, but that same logic, I mean, Judas and the Black Messiah and Trash Chicago 7 are both based on real people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the Borat film is a follow-up film. Uh-huh, it's not a... Yeah. I don't know, I'm not buying that. I mean, like, yeah, so I, sequel, oh, I, listen, uh, I, don't, I don't agree with it yeah. either. I mean, I don't know why they thought, maybe they thought they'd have a better... Again, I feel like it's all political. I feel it's like, we'll go for this category because we've got a better chance... You know when they when they go to submit, but I yeah I'm not I'm not having that at all. It's not adapted screenplay at all. Well, and don't think so. You can have that. You you can have an issue with that. You don't take it out and fucking Sasha Baron Cohen. No, I didn't berate him for <laughs> submitting himself. How dare you think you could win that? You've robbed a man of his chance. I don't know. 
<laughs> so moving on to best animated feature, no surprise that Soul won it. Although I would really have liked to see the Shaun the Sheep movie Farmageddon winning it because that's a fucking brilliant movie. It's really, really funny. Yeah, it's so good, man. It's just, it's pretty much a, a perfect comedy film without any dialogue in it. You, you can't get much better than that. And is if you don't the, laugh at it, then there's something seriously wrong with you. I think I've said that is, before as well. Is Feathers McGraw in it? He's my favourite. No, that that was Chicken Run, wasn't it? No, that's it's the Penguin. Oh, that was the, 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 the Penguin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. I no. really love that character. I don't know why. Like Even just looking at it makes me laugh. I think there was a lot of shit, direct, again, I directed at Soul because people wanted back, is it Wolf Walkers? Yes. To win. So people were really taking a dump on Disney and Pixar, but again, like they're not making these decisions. I just feel like that the the wild sort of you know hot takes that I was seeing on on Twitter and stuff like that. I'm like, who are you angry at, and why? That's actually a great question for Twitter, really, isn't it? <laughs> 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 just in general, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Put that out yeah. there, Sammy. You've got a large enough following. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. And then we move on to Best International Feature, which was won by the Danish, well, by the time we get to see it, it'll probably be the Danish remake of the American film called Another Round, directed by Thomas Vinterberg and starring Mads Mikkelsen, everybody's hunky Dane, as far as I'm concerned. Obviously, we've talked about this film a couple of times now. We all love it. Is there anything really left to say about it? I don't know. No, I just thought just his speech him. was beautiful. I thought his speech was really lovely. And when he started to cry, I was like, oh, God, I'm going to start crying as well. And, yeah, just don't fucking remake it. Just let it be. Yeah. I, I don't think we should spend too much time on it because, well, as you say, we've discussed the film at length. But I mean, this is a film that's very, very Danish and applies or, or appeals or works in certain cultures. I don't think Americans are known for their drinking prowess. And... Oh. Um, What's it going to be to DiCaprio's in the roles? You've got to just rock up to a party with a four-pack and go, look, lads, I'm getting crazy tonight. <laughs> I saw a tweet about it saying about the supporting cast. Somebody suggested David Hasselhoff, Charlie Sheen, and a, a CG'd version of Dean Martin in the supporting <laughs> cast. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Oliver Reed, but Dean Martin's even better. <laughs> Just Carl Johansson can get a, a role there somewhere. <laughs> I was actually thinking about the female lead, and I was thinking about somebody that would be age inappropriate for it. So somebody like Zendaya or something like that as, oh. as his wife, you know. Ah, uh, yeah, um, I'd, be, I'd be perfect, absolutely perfect. I'll just have Eddie Murphy play every part. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! Don't remake this film. Don't, don't, no, I, I don't mind remakes. I don't mind, re- I don't mind remakes. I don't mind remakes. The general rule, but some films should not be remade. And if they haven't been remade for a reason, Nightwatch, the Russian movie, hasn't been remade because it wouldn't work. Battle Royale has not been remade because it wouldn't work. Don't remake this; it won't work. Well, Parasite has apparently been remade, but it's been done as a television show rather than a film. I've heard, yeah. yeah. Apparently, it's got nothing to do with the film, and it's a completely brand new. Like set of characters, which I don't really understand how they can claim a link, but that's what I've read. Yeah, I find the, the Parasite, I mean, Parasite is very much 
Korean culture, like the those those flats and things like that. But the themes of the haves and the have nots is very universal. And I think that could at least translate a lot better than making a drink. I don't know. I mean, I know America's what's frat boy culture and that, but that's not what this film is. No, mm-hmm. no, this is like midlife crisis culture as opposed to yeah. Um, and to be honest with you, we're already seeing DiCaprio's midlife crisis with his increasingly young dates that he brings to things. So why introduce <laughs> anything else into the mix? We just got a bit of biography. One of the other categories that we'll touch on is the best live action short film. This was won by a film called Two Distant Strangers. Some of the other films in the category were pretty good as well. I saw the film Feeling Through, which was rather excellent, but I watched Two Distant Strangers on Netflix at Thomas's recommendation a couple of weeks ago, and it is fantastic. What a good movie. Obviously, you like it, Thomas. Did you see it, Mary, at all? No, it is in my watch list as of, as per Sammy's uh, recommendation and uh, obviously the Oscar one has kind of spurred me on to make sure I watch it like, at some point this weekend. Are you going to get your sister to watch it as well? Make sure, please. I really <laughs> want her review. It's, a, it's about two people who don't know each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Two people are a bit far apart. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's the kind of film that I would suggest getting in as cold as possible with the less you know about it I think really works in your favour it doesn't miss, it does not miss that's all I'll say I I agree with that yeah I don't know anything about it other than you've said it's good so actually I just won't I just won't read about it I just won't yeah Yeah, it's only like 30 minutes long isn't it Ah, yeah, so yeah it's not going to take up much of your time no I mean I was told uh, I was recommended my friend and they said I think you'd really enjoy it they told me the premise of it so when I was watching it, I was waiting for the premise to start. Whereas if you go in not knowing it, you'll be like, whoa, what the fuck? It just takes you by surprise. It's, it's great. And there's a wee humble brag from Simi that he's actually got friends as well there. Well done. Ah! <laughs> yes. well, I did say friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you implied that, you know, maybe you're part, part of a of network. A... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> One of the categories that always interests me is the best original score because the score for a film is something that completely underpins everything that's on screen. Now, it wasn't really any surprise that Soul won it this year. It was Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross and John Patiste. It's a bit of a a departure for them in terms of their scores because it's a bit lighter. There's a lot of jazz in it. There's more orchestral elements in it. It was very good. But of the others, The Five Bloods, Mank, Minari and News of the World, I really, really enjoyed Mank. I thought the score up was absolutely fantastic. And News of the World was really good as well, which uh, it was a film I didn't get enough sort of love, as far as I'm concerned. It was another great Tom Hanks performance, but it just wasn't there. With scores, yeah, it's that... very personal film anyway, isn't it? Is that the one that's on well. Apple TV, the big kind of Western one. Yes. Was, yeah. Yeah. Oh, was, was yeah. that was Netflix for some reason? Does Tom Hanks have some, some sort of exclusivity still with Apple or something like that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he does or not. But yeah, it's, it was a pretty good movie, News of the World. But it was criticised because it was a, a bit of a departure for the director. It was, it was more of a straightforward story rather than a fast-paced fast cuts you know all, all the, the editing and all of that so yeah it was a wee bit different so it's a bit of a shame i didn't realize i didn't realize paul greengrass directed it mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. speaking of editing the categories for no it was sound sorry sound mixing wasn't it sound mixing and sound editing 
were merged into one this year rather than having two awards because there's an awful lot of overlap between the two categories. And Sound of Metal got its only award for this one, which I thought was very well deserved. It's obviously a film about sound and the lack thereof, so getting that across on screen was no mean feat, and I thought it did very well. I agree, Thomas, or not? No, again, I've said, but it won two awards. Did it? Okay. My it, did. it won Best Sound and Best Film Editing. Ah, right, okay. Other awards were obviously a lot of the craft awards, as I say. Mank won Best Production and Best Cinematography, which was pretty good. The <laughs> the cinematographer listed for Mank is Eric Messerschmidt, which is just a fantastic name. That's just brilliant. I wonder if he does actually have anything to do with the the iconic planes and the iconic aircraft company, but probably not. Best makeup and hairstyling went to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Now, this is just a, a repeat of the BAFTAs in terms of what I said there. It was to do with the fact that it's always the period dramas that seem to get these awards and it picked up the best costume design as well. It was, it was very well deserved, obviously. It was it was uh, really good, but you know, it's I don't know what else you can say. You're not going to get a modern film getting best makeup and hair. It's usually always something mm. retro, which is a bit of a you know, I, I'm, it's almost if I'm putting it down. No, uh, but I, I know exactly. I know exactly what you mean. No, it's uh, it's a very recurring theme, and you wonder if they even put much thought into it, or they just it's an yeah. afterthought when it comes to the world. I can mentioned a wee bit about best sound over sound of metal. Um mm-hmm. movies have seen it. It's it seems like a, it seems like this this award was made for the film in a sense. But one of the most important things to mention with the sound in that movie is how it's used and when it's mm-hmm. not used, when there's no sound. And yeah, I think this is a film that a lot of people might sleep on, unfortunately. But it's on Amazon, so I would definitely recommend it. And one of the last categories is the best visual effects. Now this was the one and only win for Tenet. It was up against Love and Monsters, The Midnight Sky, Mulan, and the one and only Ivan. Now, <laughs> I, c- I couldn't really see anybody else getting it, to be perfectly honest, based on what was actually up on screen in Tenet. I read a few criticisms of it saying, well, they just shot stuff and then played it backwards. What's what's outstanding about that? You know, they're well, not really pushing. It then. <laughs> you, you're not really pushing the boundaries until it was pointed out that they were shooting stuff forwards and backwards, and they're putting stuff together, and they were actually having people going back and forward at the same time. So, you know, get a fucking grip. You know, I just I mentioned this in the BAFTA one as well, but how was Tenet not up for best film editing because that film was so well edited in my opinion especially the fight scenes and the action and stuff and as you mentioned yeah. the whole kind of it's going forward it's going backwards and that and I, I only went to see the film once I know you went to see it a couple of times John but I remember watching like the, the free time the, the motorway yeah. scene yeah. and like how they've managed to make it look as if this car's going forward but this car's going against time with this other car's I just, that's just a total mindfuck in a good way Yeah, and I thought this is a technical whether you like the film, I think it's because Christopher Nolan's jumped the shark, or it's not as good as it's whatever. Technically, it's an absolute masterpiece in how it's been produced. The yeah. production See, that, of it. That's what I said earlier about you cannot enjoy something and still critically 
appraise it and by that I mean you can still find the good in something that you haven't necessarily enjoyed it's maybe not tickle your boxes or whatever but yeah I mean to me High Tenant was so over especially at the BAFTAs I was so overlooked I just thought that was really strange and yeah and it was nice for it to to be acknowledged in some way I know it's definitely from what I've seen it feels like it's not the majority of people's cups of tea but the sheer craft involved in making something like that is definitely deserves to be celebrated. Yeah, people were complaining and using Christopher Nolan's words against him because he tries to do as much in camera as possible. And people were saying, well, how is it a visual effect when you have a plane crashing into a building? But he actually crashed a plane into a building. He didn't do it. He didn't make it. You know, he didn't CG it. He did it for real. And you're going, oh, for fuck's sake, man, really? Who are these people? Do they, yeah. do they, I feel like they just crawl out of a hole to say shit like this and they go back in until something else, like, they can get pissed off at as well. Like, I don't particularly like Tenet, but I can look at it as a piece of cinema, as an absolute spectacle and go, that is, you know, a solid piece of craftsmanship. Like, I don't understand how, how people can't even appreciate it on that level. That's just being a dick. Mm-hmm. People are idiots. Yep, heard it here first, everybody. People are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of brings us to the end of the look back at the Oscars. It was pretty much deemed not to be a success in terms of viewership. There was, I think the initial figures were 10.4 million people viewed it in the US, which was 56% down on last year. It was basically the lowest number of people who have watched the ceremony since it started, I think, which is not good. The big winners on the night were Netflix, who got seven awards, followed by Disney, who got five. Three of those were obviously Nomadland, based on the fact that they own Fox now as well, because it was a searchlight film. And I think it's this weekend, I think it's Friday, Nomadland comes to star. So if you haven't seen it, then obviously you get a chance to see it. Same criticism I've had for the the BAFTAs ad for this. A number of films you couldn't see anywhere. You know, there's a problem with it, you know. But that's just the way of it. So any closing remarks from either of you fine people? Do you know there was a Pinocchio film released a couple of years ago? Yes. Uh, Is this the one with Roberto Benigni? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel that that kind of flew under the radar a wee bit. It was up for best makeup and hairstyling, which yeah. is no mean feat when you've got a wooden puppet, you know? What's your job? I put lipstick on a bit of wood. <laughs> <laughs> That's me denigrating a whole category. That also sounds like a euphemism, but we'll not go there. Yeah, Only you would two, think of that, yeah. In 2056, we'll have our first real wooden boy <laughs> nomination. <laughs> so do you think it was a success or a failure? What did you think? I mean, how do you really kind of how do you kind of measure success when it comes to the Oscars? I think they've done well enough to kind of again this will pat your back in the pat themselves in the back with Nomadland. I just don't know what they were thinking with the best actor thing, and I don't mean I don't know what they were thinking giving it to Anthony Hopkins. I just don't know why they were thinking and structured it to give the impression mm. they were going to give it the chance it pose with an end of this big tribute. And give it to an actor who wasn't even there. They didn't, they didn't have to do that. I just don't get that. I don't understand it at all. They could have, they could have put any nomination at the end and ended at the high. Yeah. But it was bizarre. It's not that they didn't know who the winner was. Yeah. It, 
it just did seem like a very strange setup. I my big thing for the night was I actually thought best original song was going to be the tightest contested uh, category because you had EOC, Hear My Voice, uh, and obviously Husevic, which I'm a big fan of. And it was a song from Judas and the Black Messiah that was just not even a contender up until that point. So that kind of surprised me. And based on an earlier or chat sort of earlier, I'm now campaigning for a film, a documentary film to be made about Paul the Octopus because that to me sounds like <laughs> Oscar, Oscar fodder for sure. Yes. On that note, then we shall leave the Oscars for another year and no doubt we'll come back next year and heartily complain that it's not getting any better and the figures will be down to like 2.4 million people watching it. And the first interracial being, no doubt, will actually be nominated and it'll be another first for the Oscars or or it'll be a frog up for Best Supporting Actor or something. I don't know. I'm sure they'll come up with something and celebrate it in the way that only Hollywood can celebrate it. If you, our audience, have any thoughts on the Oscars and judging by the way social media lit up afterwards, I'm I'm sure at least uh, one or two people have thoughts on what actually took place at the ceremony and the winners and losers, please do let us know. You can find us on all the normal social media channels at Movie Scramble. And we are available via email at podcast at moviescramble.co.uk. Somebody please send us a message. This is getting, it's getting <laughs> embarrassing now. You know, goodness sake, you know. <laughs> We're not even getting hate mail. <laughs> so that's how bad it is. So that's us for another podcast thank you very much for listening and we shall see you later on bye-bye bye, bye. bye.